welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 119 and today's episode, self-harm, is a more difficult conversation to have but I thought it was really important. We've had some listener questions that have come through and I think it's a subject matter that I've certainly not touched on before and it's quite a crucial one and one that is sort of happening much more often. So I'm going to talk you through it. There's a lot to digest in this podcast. We're going to cover a lot of ground, what it is, the signs, how many children does it affect, why do they do it, how can we help. If you suspect that your child is self-harming or you've got concerns, then what you might want to do is just sort of work through this in piecemeal, maybe listen to the whole episode and then come back to it for certain bits that might be particularly helpful. I hope that you do find this really helpful, um, but it is a difficult subject. So I think let's dive in. So I want to start initially with what is self-harm? We've probably all heard it. It may well be something that you're aware of yourself because maybe it's something that you've done when you were younger. Maybe your child is, maybe you're aware it's happening in your child's school, or maybe you are completely and utterly oblivious to it, but you've heard it. So in in essence, self-harm is some form of intentional damage or hurt, you know, hurt to their body. So it's about children injuring themselves. Now, we typically think of it as cutting, but it can also mean, it can also be hitting, burning, scratching, bruising, head banging, hair pulling. It's doing things that harm your body in some way. Now, if your child self-harms or your teen self-harms, it does not automatically mean that they are having suicidal thoughts but it is a serious pattern of behaviour. And so it should be treated as such with professional help sought where needed. And we'll talk about that as we move on. Now, some might say that self-harm is attention seeking or a child is being overly dramatic. Now, my view is even if we accept that, even if we say this is a child that or a teen that's being overly dramatic about a particular challenge that they're facing, or they're just attention seeking, it's a, a less compassionate view personally. But if we look at it in that perspective, it still says it still tells us something about how that child or how that teen is experiencing life and a glimmer into their inner world. And so we shouldn't be dismissing it. We shouldn't be viewing it in that light, but actually seeing it as an opportunity to connect. You know, children's behavior gives us a window to their inner world. And that needs some form of support and attention and unpicking. So I don't think it's a particularly compassionate way of viewing it. And my view is that we still need to look at it in that way because children should children and teens should be enjoying life they should be enjoying their friendships their outside interests and resorting to particular measures to get attention means that we need to we need to act in some way so that's in essence what self-harm is what are some of the signs that as parents we should be looking out for now the important thing to remember here is that children who self-harm will often do whatever they can to hide it. So we just need to be vigilant to changes in their body 
and also changes in their behavior. These are just some of them, but just just be aware of what that might look like. So, you know, some of the obvious things will be unexplainable cuts, wounds or scars. So things that we notice on their body that we can't really explain, you know, that our, our child or teen can't really explain where they are. It, there might be multiple wounds in the same place in your child's body. Now, quite often when we think about self-harm in the form of cutting, we often think it's likely to happen to the arms. But actually what we find is it can it can occur in all sorts of places. You know, if you think about if you're trying to, if you're self-harming and you're trying to avoid anyone being able to see it, you then, what might happen is it might be nearer the top of your, nearer the top of the legs, So it's just being aware, it's unexplainable cuts and wounds, it's multiple wounds that might happen in the same place. Maybe you notice that they're collecting or frequently carrying around with them either lighters or sharp tools in some ways, nail clippers, safety pins, those sorts of things. Maybe you'll notice that they're wearing long sleeve shirts or long trousers or long skirts when the weather is warm. And, you know, so it it jars a little bit in terms of what they're wearing isn't congruent with what the weather demands. It might also be that you find sort of tissues or clothing or bed linen that has blood on it. Now, obviously, the odd bit is is normal, typical. We scratch, you know, we accidentally get scratched or cut ourselves. But it's where you're noticing more or bandages that might be hidden in the bottom of their, you know, if they've got a sort of bin in their bedroom or you're noticing it on their clothes. They might be spending continuous isolated time in their room. Now, obviously, that's that's a natural part of teen behaviour. What we're looking for is a pattern, a collective pattern of a number of these, not just one. Just if you've got a child or teen where there's no other evidence and they're spending a huge amount of time in their bedroom, that is a typical teen thing. We want to encourage them to spend time with us and not be in their bedrooms isolated for hours on end because I just don't think it's a healthy thing for them anyway. But when you start to see that as well, you may also see that they're very withdrawn from their friends. They're not really spending time doing the things that they might typically enjoy doing. You may notice aspects of their just general mood not being the same. They might be particularly low in mood or particularly angry and fiery so it's that though it's we're looking for real marked shifts which we're going to be we're you know we're aware of how our children typically are another sign can be that they may begin to wear a lot of jewelry or particular bandanas and things that are, are another way of rather than wearing long sweet sleeves can be an easy way of hiding scars so those are sort of the signs we're really looking for shifts and certain signs of behavior so we know what it is We know what the signs are. How many children does this affect? Well, there's lots of sort of different data, but in general, the latest data is suggesting that one in five children, yeah, that's one in five, between the ages of 10 and 18 is intentionally self-harming. And self-harm hospital admissions for children aged between eight, we're seeing a real increase in younger children. Hospital admissions for children aged between 8 and 17 in the UK jumped 22% in one year. And we know, of course, that, that when we're talking about hospital admissions to A&E, it's only the tip of the iceberg. Because if we've seen an increase of 22%, there is a whole another level below the surface that are just never presenting to A&E. And so it is something that we should all be vigilant for without obviously trying to scare the life out of you but it is something that we need to be aware of because we are seeing an increase and the increase seems to be impacting the lower age groups the other age groups seem to be much more it's still occurring but it seems to be more static rather than this big increase which sits very much with 
our understanding and our knowledge about mental health and the increase in terms of mental health issues and that's impacting more and more younger children they're feeling more and more desperate in terms of what they resort to so we know what it is we know what signs to look out for we know how many children it typically affects so i guess the big question then is just why why do children and teens self-harm in the first place and there isn't really one single clear cause It's often a way of alleviating emotional distress. It's almost like shifting the inner pain that they experience. So the pain that they experience internally and shifting it to external pain. For others, it's a cry for help. And some teens say might say that they feel quite numb and so actually by self-harming and causing some form of self-injury it forces them to feel what we know is for whatever the reason is that your child or your teen may well be self-harming is the relief from the self-harm is temporary and it's very short-lived which is why they will typically repeat the self-injury multiple times it's being aware that in essence a child or teen is in some form of emotional distress and that really can for some become the mechanism for relief for others they'll do other things so but it the underlying aspect of it that we need to be thinking about is it's emotional distress that could be bullying it could be mental health it could be anxiety it could be depression it's a mechanism that they have used and there are other alternative mechanisms that are more healthy more appropriate more useful at this stage we're not making any judgments we're just simply trying to understand why it happens So the next obvious thing is what should we do? And I've broken this down into three areas because there's obviously the immediate. If you find, if you discover that your child is self-harming or you suspect your child or teen is self-harming, there's the immediate stuff that you need to deal with. And then there's what I would call things like the short-term issues and then the longer, the sort of medium and longer term things that we we ought to be looking at doing. So it's sort of keeping that in mind. The first thing to... I think actually before I go into the the immediate, the short and the medium and longer term is the first thing we need to remember is that resorting to self-injury for your child or your teen feels like the only option and is not necessarily about what is going on for your child or your teen right now, but is more likely to be a culmination of a whole host of issues which have now built up into this big issue, this big challenge. So I want you to try and think of it in the same way as the bucket analogy I've given you before. So let me just talk you through the bucket analogy and then I'll explain how it relates specifically to self-harm. So I've talked before about this idea that we all have a bucket and that bucket begins to fill throughout the day. The whole idea is with your children. And we often think about the bucket when our child then has a complete and utter meltdown or a tantrum or loses their temper or storms off or says something unkind. And what usually happens is we think about what happened just before they had that outburst and that's where we seek to kind of solve the problem or we seek to kind of reprimand them for the way that they've spoken to us my view and this is just my view is that self-harm is a similar sort of perspective so maybe you've got a child who's not feeling particularly confident they've never been massively confident and then maybe over a period of time so this isn't sort of happening in days this is like over and over and over maybe they had challenges in their self-confidence and around friendships maybe when they were at primary school they've now moved on to a secondary school and it sort of seemed to be okay at the beginning but those sort of friendship issues have continued and now let's compound that with they're moving into examination years 
and they're noticing that they're not doing as well academically as their friends and maybe they've started noticing that there's parties that are happening or maybe there's lots of talk about boyfriends and then now their bucket is filling and filling and filling so what then happens is let's say is we discover that our child or our teen has been self-harming and we think about it in relation to a conversation maybe we had to them about had with them about them not being invited to a party or us putting our foot down about them not going to a party because they've not been studying enough our focus then becomes on the party and them not studying whereas actually this issue has been building up for a period of time could be a year could be three years four years five years so what we need to do what we just need to bear in mind when we start looking particularly at how we resolve this longer term is there's the immediate stuff that we need to deal with because that's what we're being presented with but if we're going to help equip them remember the whole idea behind this podcast is how can we raise resilient adults we're working with the end in mind we can't just fix the immediate thing and then go phew thank goodness we don't need to worry about that anymore we have to get to the root cause we have to deal with the fundamental aspects of what's been filling that bucket because it will fill again it's an underlying lack of confidence as you know difficulties in terms of self-belief a resilience to be able to see themselves as a wonderful human being that doesn't necessarily need to be part of the popular group i just want you to think about that within this context and what we're doing is as we start dealing with the immediate things that will drain the top of the bucket but it won't empty it it's the short term and the medium and the longer term that will help them empty that bucket more regularly and then ensure that it doesn't when it does fill up they're able to resort to different strategies rather than the self-harm so i hope that one that's a helpful way of framing it so what do we do in the immediate well in the immediate we need to have the conversation and we need to be prepared for that conversation to be fiery for there to be a lot of emotions a lot of anger and potentially a child who refuses to admit refuses to engage won't have that conversation it's about returning back to it and have you really trying to have that conversation you know i'm concerned i feel that they're you might be hurting yourself and I just want to understand. I want, I'm here to help. We're having that conversation where we're seeking to understand and we're not seeking to judge. And I'm telling you that it can feel really difficult. Of course, we want to say to our child or our teen that that's not an appropriate way to behave, that that's not helpful. And do they not know what damage they're doing to themselves? Of course, we want to do that because we want to protect this precious bundle. But we have to kind of park that and really sort of engage in that conversation from a perspective of I don't really understand I want to understand help me understand I want to be here as a support I'm not judging what you're doing you're clearly having an extremely difficult time and I've not realized that so help me understand so it's really approaching it on that perspective and not being afraid to have those conversations if you hear that there's been self-harm in your child's year group and it does tend to, you know certainly from my observation if it if it happens in a particular year group it tends to quite often have a bit of a ripple effect so don't be afraid to have that conversation we often sort of have this misconception around anything whether that's mental health whether that's self-harm um, whether it's around alcohol drugs sex that if we have that conversation in some way we're promoting it or that our children are much more likely to then resort to that it's the exact opposite our children will be thinking all of those things and if we don't have those conversations they then don't get that informed information from us so have that conversation come back to it multiple times if they're going to refuse to be honest or refuse to talk or they get angry they need to know that you love them 
you're worried about them, you're there for them, you're seeking to understand and you're not making a judgment. So have that conversation. And part of the conversation that you're going to have with them as well is just general hygiene around any cuts and scratches that they might have so they can avoid infections. So it's around at this stage, we're not saying you've got to stop doing this. It's really about, well, if this is what you're doing, then these, these are some important considerations about how we make sure that those cuts and those scratches remain clean so we can avoid infection. And you may well even have that conversation around your child or your teen speaking to you about ways that they can let you know when they have self-harmed. So that's some of the immediate stuff. The other things that you want to be thinking about is ways of making your home safer by removing some sharp sharp objects but i would what i would say within this context is it's not about you know going through your child's room and then just like getting rid of everything you want to have a conversation with them about how you can help self-harm happens in the spur of a moment in terms of when those that emotion those that, that bucket overflows and so if you remove things that your child may have typically used, they may resort to other things that may be more more dangerous. So you're having that conversation around, this is what you're doing, this is how you're feeling, I'm here to help help you. What are the things that we could do so that when those feelings come back and in those moments, you are less likely to, to, to resort to those things. And we're going to talk about some of the alternatives that you can have conversations. But this is a problem solving this is a collaborative conversation this is not i'm your parent i'm stepping in you're hurting yourself you're damaging yourself this is a ridiculous thing to be doing not that i think any of you would say that but you know we don't want to go in in that authoritarian and therefore i'm taking charge and i am removing this it's about how can we work together how can i help you help yourself and what are the things that we might put in place? Now, obviously, you can only have that problem-solving conversation with your child or your teen when they're in a moment of clarity. So you, you, it's about finding, you know, you might not, you might be in a situation where the relationship with your child or at the moment that you try to have that conversation, they're really open and you can have all of this conversation in one go. But you might also need to be patient and understand that you're going to have to come back to this time and time again and have small parts of the conversation and then another small part and another small part fundamentally we're looking for a long-term solution this isn't about one big conversation and then it's over one of the other things that you that is part of that sort of immediate and also short term is having that conversation with your child or teen about alternatives other things that they could do in that moment that they feel overwhelmed that they want to get that inner pain at, as an outward pain or that, that relieving that numbness. These are literally straight lifts off the NSPCC website because obviously they have a hot, they have a helpline and these strategies that I'm going to go through are not strategies that I've made up or the NSPCC have made up. These are alternative strategies that young children and teens have used themselves as alternatives. So this is just to give you some idea of conversations you could be having and things that you could be talking about so some have found painting drawing or scribbling with red ink has been particularly helpful some have found holding an ice cube in their hands until it melts helpful some have found writing down feelings those big feelings and then ripping them up ripping the paper up afterwards my mother always used to suggest that one with me just generally in life is that you know put that down others have talked about wearing an elastic band 
Um, so this could be like, you know, like a, not a hair scrunchie because that probably isn't sort of, you know, isn't going to work quite in quite the same way. But in essence, either an elastic band or those hair ties that are that don't have the extra fabric. So wearing it on the wrist and then snap so you pull it and snap it to, as a way of kind of relieving that urge to self-harm. Others have talked about listening to music. Others have punched and screamed into pillows. Others have talked to friends or family, taken a shower, exercised or watched their favourite funny film. Obviously, what we're looking at doing, and we'll talk about this in the medium term, is really looking at the fundamentals of what's perpetuating and creating this need to then self-harm. But these are some alternatives in that moment. So we've got the immediate things that we need to be looking at. And then we've got the short term and the medium and the longer term. If you're listening to this episode and you don't have a child who is self-harming, but you know you have a child who is just generally has low mood, then you won't necessarily be needing to deal with the immediate issues. Although some of those alternative strategies can be just a good way of saying, you know, when our feelings get really big, how can we deal with them? But it is helpful to look at the short and the medium term because this is all about the root causes, what's creating this in the first place. So short term is if you've got a child who you know is self-harming or a child who is not self-harming but is low mood and you're beginning to see them isolate and withdrawn and they're not always using the most appropriate strategies to help themselves, is seek out support for your child. Now, this could be a trusted you know, a trusted teacher at school that they just talk to. Maybe it's their form teacher or it could be the counsellor at school. It could be your, you know, it could be your GP or it could be a therapist. You know as a parent where that support needs to be. It could be even a family member or somebody that they do, you know, that they have a, a passionate outside school interest. You will know what level your child is at and what they actively need to what they need and have that discussion with them all of the kind of the fundamentals is that it needs to be a relationship with someone that your child can be open and honest with and they may be open and honest in a way that they aren't with you it may be that you have the kind of relationship with your child that they will have that open and honest conversation with you that is fine but it is we must seek out support for our child if they are self-harming. We'll view it from one perspective, but our child, we need to be able to see it from a different perspective too. And sometimes children and teens will find it much easier to have that open conversation. Really, sometimes not because they don't want to have that conversation with you, but they just don't want you to worry. That's one aspect. And then it's about agreeing with them in the short term, some behavior changes that are appropriate to the to the struggle and the challenge that your child or teen is going through. So this could be It doesn't have to necessarily be, but it could be a reduction in social media use. They're being bullied online or if there's a huge amount of comparison and they're making a judgment of themselves against other people, having a bit of a social media detox might be really helpful for them. It might not be helpful if it relates to something else that actually that social media use and that connection with friends is really helpful to maintain. So it could be a reduction in social media use. It could be about encouraging them to spend more time downstairs with the family so that you can be connected. It could be more contact points with trusted friends. It could be looking at more physical activity. It could be a reduction, certain sort of junk food that might not be helpful for their mood. It's about taking that step back with your child and thinking about what are the things that actually goes back to that whole bucket and that's going to be the resource 
to go with this episode is what are the things that actively fill your child's bucket? What are the things that are part of that build up to the challenges that are then creating this need to self-harm? And so what are the things that can be due to that we can look at doing changes that then help drain that bucket and help begin to empty it? So it's it's looking at those behavior changes appropriate for your child or teen, which may well be very different to that for someone else. So it's that. And then the third thing that I would say in terms of the short term is that share what you know with all relevant people and organizations, whether that's school, whether that's specific teachers. Um, whether that's family, whether that's to do with people who help support you, whether you've got a nanny, a child, whatever it might be, it's about sharing what you know, because as your child will have multiple touch points. And it's really crucial that all of those people are aware of what is going on, aware of what's been agreed. You're doing this with the consent and with the support for your child, but it's really important that they know. So we've looked at the immediate We've looked at the short term. Now let's look at the longer term. And this for me is really beginning to start working on the fundamental roots as to why this is happening. And that is potentially going to be part of something that you might do with them. It might be something you do collaboratively with school. My favourite approach is that it's something that you're doing. It's something that school is doing, but it's also something that you're getting professional support outside of the home. So this you've got this sort of lovely sort of three touch, three big touch points that are looking at it and it's you know the first one is just being there for them to talk through things and how they're feeling in those moment you're not looking to fix you're literally looking to be a channel to work through their inner thoughts so it's that having that connection time and then it's about building their confidence it's really looking at the root causes they're helping them see and value who they are their self-esteem their you know, if it's an anxiety that's caused this, if it's a low mood that's caused this, it's really looking at the fundamentals of helping them with who they are and building that confidence. And it's small steps, you know, it goes back to this ladder that I talk about so often. What is the root cause? What's the underlying issue that's creating this? And what are the small things that we can do at the bottom of the ladder that can start building that self-esteem, building that resilience, building that courage and that bravery? If it's around anxieties, building that self-belief, what are the small things that can be done? And then what can we then build on and build on and build on to then help them feel that they're then worthy, capable. Those are the sort of kind of fundamental building blocks. And that will be unique for each different child because the fundamentals of, you know, if we talk, go back right to the beginning in terms of what are the underlying causes that created that, it'll be different for different children. And it's not necessarily even about dredging up the past, but simply understanding that these things have all, like a domino effect or, you know, the old snowball effect, doesn't it? It starts off with a little bit, but then life happens and the environment happens and more layers and layers and layers are built up on this so what we're trying to do is strip back those layers and get back to that real core self-belief self-love self-confidence and that resilience and that ability to cope so that when the next set of challenges occur they've got those resources within them to help i hope that that's been a useful episode there's a lot of information i will wait for feedback please do 
write in contact at drmaryhan.com with specific feedback to see how helpful that's been because it may well be that I need to do a couple of other spin-off episodes that tackle some aspects of it it's a big topic I've literally downloaded a huge amount of information and so it may well be that you just need to come back to it multiple times to kind of gleam off what you need to know but do please please do feedback so the give this week is going to be the bucket resource which we've shared previously because I just think it's such a crucial part you can use it in multiple ways you can use it with your child so you're trying to actually help them realize on a general day-to-day what are the things that fill their bucket that then overflow it that then lead to the self-harm so you can do it in that way if your child is already self-harming and you've got you can have that conversation so the the emptying aspect of the bucket are alternative strategies that they could use you could use it in terms of a reflective aspect for you to be able to think about okay what are the things that might have got my child or teen to this point so that they're now self-harming? What are some of the things that I might be able to reflect back on that I can then share with a professional that might be supporting my child? So you can look at it that way. Or it could just be a mechanism that you use with a child who's not self-harming or who but is beginning to feel overwhelmed as a preventative piece so that they can understand what are the things that typically happen in terms of overwhelm so that they can begin to find mechanisms in advance that they can use that help them when they're feeling overwhelmed but that are more sort of appropriate and healthy ways of dealing with difficulties as usual you just head over to my free resource library drmaryhand.com forward slash library where you'll find the link to download the bucket resource All you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's resource, but all the other free resources across all the other podcast episodes. As ever, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So until next time, 